I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. While driving through Texas, there are only three certainties. Everyone will be speeding. You'll definitely smell cow poop at some point. And you will know exactly how far you are from a Bucky's at all times. All right, we got a Bucky's coming up. 48 miles. They tell you early, so you have time to get excited. All right, Bucky's, 41 miles now. Sign advertising the beef jerky bar. Another Bucky sign, two miles now. Biscuits for breakfast. It's new. It's pretty good. Not breakfast time, so I probably won't get that, but um, we'll see what else they have. Although it is obviously far from a hidden gem, in the course of several interviews for this episode, which is our tribute to gas station food, Bucky's just kept coming up. The largest convenience store in the world, 67,000 square feet. This is, it's basically an amusement park. So I, of course, had to see it for myself. I am pulling onto Bucky's Boulevard. This is elaborate. This place is enormous. Holy crap. Brisket and sausage. Damn. This is wild. Steak, stuffed chickens. Okay. Here's a wall of jerky. Bucky's is less of a rest stop and more of a rest destination. It was like if a gas station procreated with a Walmart, that's what Bucky's. I don't know how that would work with two stores making love and producing a baby, but that is what Bucky's is like. The Texas-based chain has close to 40 locations across the American South. And inside any given Bucky's, you'll find the cleanest and biggest public bathrooms you've ever seen. You'll stumble into a brisket station and full rotisserie chickens being roasted. All this, plus mountains of merch featuring their beloved mascot, Bucky the Beaver. Plus sporting goods, home decor, and even some furniture. But as I was not in the market for a new patio set, I just decided to get lunch. I got the Bucky spread. I have a sliced brisket sandwich. I went to the jerky bar, obviously. I got some Hill Country teriyaki beef jerky. Okay. And last, but certainly not least, I have what are called beaver nuggets. 
I really don't know what they are. They're not, they're like popcorn. Ingredients, brown sugar, cornmeal, corn syrup, vegetable oil. Okay, I don't think there's any beaver in them. The brisket sandwich, which was cut and prepped right in front of me, was honestly just as good as anything that passes as barbecue up north of the Mason-Dixon line. And the jerky was definitely jerky. So for me, coming from New York, it was definitely a great experience. I mean, pretty good. It's not, it's not like the best jerky I've ever had in my life, but what do I know? I'm just a guy in the middle of Texas talking to himself in a gas station parking lot, so. But the beaver nuggets, those were something special. All right, right off the bat, gut reaction. These are fucking awesome. <laughs> oh my God. There's definitely a breakfast cereal taste to these. They taste like honeycombs and corn puffs, but after they've been in the milk for a little bit, the flavor is really steeping. These are great. I need to get gas, okay. I need to leave. I need to stop talking to myself. I think people are looking. This doesn't happen that much in Texas. In this episode, our love letter, our tribute, our profession of adoration for all things gas station cuisine, Bucky's, though enormous, is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to take you on an audio road trip of the United States of gas station food. And we're starting down south in Louisiana, where perhaps the most prolific gas station food expert in the country put us in his pocket as he ordered an early dinner from one of his favorite gas stations. Hey, good afternoon. How you doing? See, I'd like uh, one boudin ball, original, and uh, uh, let's see. How about the tasso fries? It's fries, it's tasso. What could be less healthy? I love that. And of course, because I care about my health, a Diet Coke. I hear you're laughing back there. So, tasso is a highly seasoned smoked pork, and very lean, by the way. And we use it here to season beans and gravies and things like that. They have this french fry thing. It's got tasso and a sauce, and then it's got green onions. We love green onions down here. So while we're talking, let me just take a quick bite of this. Oh my God, this is, this is incredible. Uh, look at this. That's the tasso cheese. Uh, oh, it's oh, amazing. Mm. A winner. Boom. This is Al Hebert. He's a producer for a local news station in Lafayette, Louisiana. And while we were talking, he was outside of the Bourbon Street Deli, holding a fried ball of sausage next to his head. Boudin ball. This is bigger than a tennis ball. Do you see the size of this? Okay, I'm going to put this next to my head so you can get a frame of reference. Look at that. My head's still larger, but this is a huge boudin ball. But online, Al is better known as the Gas Station Gourmet. He has a blog, he makes video reviews on YouTube, he does public speaking and consulting work, all in the surprisingly interesting world of gas station food. And it all started a couple decades ago on a road trip to Texas. We stopped at a gas station one day and we walked in 
and it smelled like your grandmother's kitchen. Unbelievably good. And so we had roast, rice, gravy, green beans, rolls. It was unbelievable. I said, hey, if there's a few more places like this in America, we'll go in, we'll shoot a package, and we'll get free lunch. I think uh, America, we, we still have a passion for cars, and we like to go places. You know, we've always had truck stops. You know, those have been around forever. So I think there's something in America's DNA that we like this. As time has gone on, especially in the last 20 years, the uh, profit margin on gas has dropped. I mean, these people, you might pay 50 bucks to fill your car up, but these guys are making maybe five cents a gallon. So they're not making a lot of money on gas, but there's a great margin on food. More labor intensive, but we make more money. I never expected to find gas station food that I would eat. And I walk into this gas station, it's food better than my grandmother would cook. Over the past two decades, he has eaten at gas stations more than anyone who isn't a long haul trucker. And he's seen it all. I'll tell you what, I found things like Cornish game hen, lobster bisque in gas stations. I found Cristal Champagne, 450 bucks a bottle, in an Exxon station. And that's run by a Somalian. It's called the High Country Market and Gastro Pub. And his name's Zahir Walji, great guy, level two sommelier, has, a, has one of the, I heard, one of the top fine wine collections in the Austin area. And Al notes that gas stations can often provide international cuisines in surprising places. And on a place outside of D.C. in Chantilly, Virginia, called Everest Momo. So Momo, it's from Nepal, it's a dumpling. And so this guy opens this, he has this place, but he wanted to do momos, and he was selling 50 momos a day, and now he's selling 1,000 to 2,000 momos a day. Crazy. And because of the low expectations, gas stations can be extremely flexible and really adventurous when it comes to building a menu. There's a great gas station about 50 miles from here called the Cajun Junction. Oh my God, these people open pit barbecue every single day. Then, all his employees are from India. And so he, he's cooking lunch for them, cooking Indian food. And customers went in and said, wow, this smells great. Can we buy this Indian food? He said, well, yeah. So the next week he cooks 20 plates, sold out, continued to do so. He's a barbecue place, but he's selling Indian food because it's so good. So one of my other great store that I love it's in Texas, is a place called the Check Stop, C-Z-E-C-H. Their specialty is kolaches. And when I got there, there was a line down two walls. It's, it's incredible. And I'm thinking, okay, I, this something good's happening here. This place sells 104,000 kolaches every seven days. That's 600 kolaches every hour, okay? And they're all amazing. They bake 24 hours a day. So if you want a kolache, it's two in the morning, you go there and it's gonna be fresh. As a rule, I never turned down a solid kolache. So I, of course, found my way to West Texas, which has a shockingly large Czech population, and in my mind, the country's best kolaches at the Czech stop. Can I get a uh, sausage with cheese, please? And um, a pulled pork puff? Anything else? 
And uh, a cream cheese. Kolachi, please. And a pepperoni one, too, please. All right, I have their cream cheese kolachi. It's like their standard, their classic. Pretty good size. And it is predictably amazing. Whoa. You know, you don't really think about breakfast kolaches in a lot of the states. Great alternative to like a donut. I would rather have this than like a donut for sure. There are a lot of people like, just eating in their cars. Hey, how's it going? In the parking lot, yep, me too. Good stuff, huh? This has to be some of the best gas station food in the entire country, at least that I've had. It smells so good in there. It's like you get all of the meat smells and all of the bakery smells all into one. They do barbecue in the back. A lot of smells, a lot of people, a lot of people super enthusiastic about the check stop. Lots of merchandise. Good little spot right next to a Sonic. Don't go to Sonic. Stop here instead. Open 24 hours. I love it. Throughout this episode, we're talking a lot about gas station food in America. Specifically, how so much of the fare is surprisingly elevated. But we want to make sure we celebrate what you and I might call standard gas station food. The cheese dusted, the corn syrup infused, the glazed. So we enlisted the assistance of Brian Park and Young Me Mayer, two comedians and hosts of one of our favorite podcasts, Feeling Asian. Just to elaborate a little bit about our podcast, it's a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. So we want to stress that you do not need to be Asian to enjoy the themes of our podcast, but yeah, check it out. We could basically listen to them talk about anything, and gas station food is certainly no exception. I usually associate gas station food with road trips, but Mm. I feel like it needs to elicit good memories. And for me, it's just, uh, that's heavily steeped in nostalgia. There's certain foods that I'll just buy at a gas station that I would never eat anywhere else. Brian, do you do that thing on road trips where you're like, calories don't count on a road trip? That's what I do on a uh, road trip. I'm like, I'm going to get the nine packs of snowballs, the new birds. (laughs) (laughs) 100%, 100%. Okay, so I grew up in El Paso, Texas. You know, it's on the Mexican border. And I have this obsession with Mexican candies. Now, you won't really find it in most parts of America. And Mm. they're Lucas candies. And essentially, it's just chilied like candied chili powder but you're essentially you just pour chili powder in your palm and just lick that so (laughs) i just have very like that for me reminds me of home so much the other food is my parents are from korea but I, i have a lot of family there and so korean gas stations they're like these elaborate rest stops with like food vendors in them. And my parents would always get like these roasted potatoes. Do you know what I'm talking about, young me? They boil it and they put it in a like a yogurt cup and mm. sprinkle salt on it. It's li- it just translates to rest, uh, rest stop potatoes. But rest stops in Korea have amazing food in general. 
I have a similar, very nostalgic food that tastes very similar to this Mexican candy because I grew up on a small island in Micronesia called Saipan and they have like little, gas, obviously gas station stores and they would sell green mangoes with like a side of chili powder or just packet packages of like pre-made like candy and chili powder. What's like burned into my memory is because I grew up outside of America when I came to visit America and I, I was like, oh, I'm going to try all these snacks that I saw on TV that I never tried, like snowballs, because I would always see them on TV shows and I'm like, it looks so like fantastical. You're like, what does that even taste like? You know, and so I remember buying it and being so like excited and it tasted so bad. I was like, why? <laughs> Okay, so in the past, where I've been in the position where I had to make a meal out of gas station food, well, obviously you get like the microwave burrito. Most gas stations have Amy's now, so if, you, if you're fancy. And then for, <laughs> I, I get this sometimes as a, a meal on its own, even though it seems like a snack, it, it eats like a meal. If you're in a gas station in like California or Hawaii or where, areas where there's a big Asian population, there's going to be senbei crackers, like the Japanese rice crackers that look like the, the what's it called, the skinny moon, the sliver moon? Uh, I the have waning no moon. The waning moon, not the unfull moon. <laughs> the opposite of a full moon, the crescent moon. Oh, a crescent moon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Japanese rice crackers that are that shape. I feel like this is a big treat in Hawaii, because I feel like my Hawaiian friend told me this. You get a bag of that, and you get a bag of peanut M&Ms. This is very important. Make sure it's those two specific things. And you put them in the oh, same yeah. bag, and you mix it, you shake it, and oh. then you eat, you eat them together, and you eat two of the sambes with one peanut M&M. It is the best, most, like, savory and sweet flavor. It's, like, the perfect meal. And then for my drink is a michelada, which if you're in a regional place. That's, like, the only place I'll drink that, too like a beer with it, but you know, not when I'm driving, just I'm a passenger. When I'm at a gas station, I always buy the bottled Starbucks Frappuccino. I never buy these Starbucks drinks ever, aside from when I'm on a road trip. I don't even know why I still do. I have a huge sweet tooth. I love gummy candies. Mm -hmm. So I'll get Sour Rips, uh, Trolley Gummy Worms, and Haribo Fizzy Cola. Just anything that has a tangy profile and will just leave my tongue feeling like sandpaper afterwards, that's going into my bag. And uh, for something hearty, beef jerky. Beef jerky is a popular one, but I don't always get it when I'm at a gas station because I'm realizing I don't know how much beef jerky should cost. Because anytime I pick up a bag of beef jerky, I always think it's way too expensive. But, uh, you know, since this is a thought experiment, I'll go with beef jerky for my protein. And uh, gonna have to top it off with some Mexican candies. Yeah. So that I would say that is a complete meal. That is my ideal gas station meal right there. It's a very democratic place, I have to say. You know, some of the worst people I've ever met in my life have, have been in a gas station, but also some of the best. I don't know. <laughs> I really, you know, we've all been there where it's like 2 a.m. and you just like got finished playing video games and you're in your pajamas and like some, some random like person in front of the gas station will say the most profound thing you've ever heard. And you're like, I'm just here to get some beef jerky. 
<laughs> Magical place. No notes. That was perfectly said. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we will tell the stories of three of our favorite gas stations in the United States, and we'll hear from a world-class pastry chef who will tell us definitively why the Twix is the world's best candy bar. Stick around. We normally and rightfully associate gas station food with driving. But picture this, you're in the shadows of the Teton Mountains in the incredibly small town of Wilson, Wyoming. You're in the dead center of a 20 mile bike ride and you run across a gas station that advertises natural wine, fried chicken sandwiches, and apparently regionally infamous alcoholic sloshies. If you were anything like me, you immediately stopped, which I of course did, true story. It's kind of funny when you walk in because everyone feels like they are in a completely different or wrong place. But base camp overall is just like a modern spin on a gas station. So we try and have elevated grocery products for the locals in Wilson, but also just fun, healthy snacks, cool, unique wine. We focus on a natural wine in the shop. That's usually stuff that people, I feel like, line up for in cities. And we're in such a small landlocked area of the country. It's certainly a niche, um, but it definitely gives the people a reason to come or to just stock up from when they're driving up from Utah or if you live in a place like New York or L.A. and then you're visiting a ski town and you're like, no way, they have this random ass wine from the Canary Islands that I haven't seen even in, in my big city. And on the subject of those sloshies I talked about before, Sloshies are awesome. They've been a Jackson Hole thing for a while. So who doesn't want to get off the river and drink a fresh squeezed Paloma? We get these local raspberries in July and they mix it with Stillworks Vodka, which is a Jackson Hole based distillery. And it's just like the freshest red raspberry slushy you could have, not too sweet, just kind of perfect. Um, goes really well with the burger and fries too. The burger and fries in this case come from rations, which makes excellent sandwiches that you can enjoy in a small picnic area outside of the gas station that has great views of the Tetons. It kind of reminds me, and I don't want this to sound like snooty or anything, but it kind of reminds me of cool little places in Europe when you can get like mom and pop pasta and fill up your bottle of wine and you don't have to get super processed food all the time, but we can still make this kind of elevated junk food and have fun with it. And for something even more remote, but with views that are arguably just as majestic and food that is equally surprising, let's go right outside the California-Nevada border, specifically to the Wonelli Deli. I'm Dennis Domel, and I purchased the land and built the building while my daughter Denise was, uh, heck, I think she was in elementary school when I bought the land. She would come home from college and have to work in the summertime because there was, there's no free lunch around this house, only at the Wonelli Deli. I'm Denise Molnar, and I'm 
the daughter of Dennis and I manage the store. Well, we're located at the eastern entrance of Yosemite National Park. And so we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So from our store, if you look up towards Yosemite, you're looking at the trees and the mountains and it's just gorgeous. But if you're looking to the east, you're looking out over the Mono Basin, which is part of the Great Basin that goes all the way to the Wasatch Range in Utah. We overlook Mono Lake, the oldest lake in North America. It's a spot that is our clientele, you know, if you exclude the Europeans and the people just traveling around the world, really is a meeting place between Northern California and Southern California. And I mean, they'll, they'll stay there all day long. I mean, we've seen people sit out on the picnic tables to where our employees will go out and tell them they probably ought to move because they're all getting sunburned. <laughs> You know, they'll just sit there so long and, uh, you know, they start drinking margaritas and pitchers of beer. And uh, next thing you know, it's getting dark and uh, they've got a long drive ahead of them. There's something for everyone. There's pizza slices or we have really high quality entrees such as elk chops. Our fish tacos are our number one seller. They're really good with everything in between. We've gone gone into buffalo meatloaf and... uh, What's the other one? Well, of course, the fish tacos are the the main thing that sell. You got to keep in context. When we built this store, it was it was literally in the middle of nowhere. We were on 80 acres, the only piece of private land around, and there had been nothing there for millennium. And uh, we were sitting outside drinking a beer, and uh, these cars would come down Tioga Pass, and out of the corner of their eye, they would see us there and just slam on their brakes to make the turn to come in. And, you know, just on a random comment, one of us said something like, whoa, Nellie, and it just stuck. We, we knew right then and there that was the name of it. And uh, so that, that's where it came from. <laughs> that, that's the truth. <laughs> I think we've become almost a destination in ourselves. You know, people are going to Yosemite, but they're also, they fit us into their trip. They're planning on stopping here at the Wonelli Deli. So we're part of the destination. I would say it's definitely the unofficial, official visitor center. If there's one thing we've managed to touch upon during this episode, it's the nostalgia and personal connections that bind so many of these gas stations to our life. Here in the New York area, I will always opt for crispy, crunchy chicken whenever I see it sold in a gas station. It might be the best quote-unquote fast food chicken in America. Or when I'm driving westward through Pennsylvania, I'll make a note when the Wawa's start to turn into Sheetz's. This happens right around Harrisburg, and for the record, I think I like Sheetz better. But for some people, eating at gas stations isn't just a road trip novelty. For instance, my colleague and video producer, Taylor Brown. For the past year, and really for a lot of my life, I've chosen to eat at a gas station almost every week. From the outside, the market looks like a normal gas station, and in a lot of ways, it is. But inside, you'll find a selection of sandwiches, salads, and since it is a gas station in Virginia, really good fried chicken. 
While the market doesn't have the nationwide name recognition of Wawa or certainly 7-Eleven, the mini chain is famous here in Charlottesville. It's more than a gas station. It's a gathering place, a lunch spot, a local institution, and proof that gas station food can be legitimately great. Gordon Sutton is the president of Tiger Fuel and the market, and he and his family have been dealing with the unfair stigma of quote unquote gas station food ever since they opened decades ago. I mean, I'll start by saying it's a huge challenge, right? Like there's not a week that goes by that we don't get a, a really positive like five-star review on Yelp or Google that was like, don't let the gas station facade fool you, like come inside, these are world-class food. So it, it, it is a challenge. You know, I'm not so sure we've done as good a job as we would like to in debunking that. I also think that there's just a broader trend in the industry um, where more and more you see, like, we're not as unique as we were 30 years ago. Like, I also think sort of as the landscape with fossil fuels changes, you will see in order to survive, people are going to have to be really good at food. And I think as a a necessary component to uh, being a successful business, Uh, that's viable well into the future. Food is going to be more and more important. I'm only one person, but in my opinion, places like the market will hopefully soon be the norm in every city in America. So I implore you to go out and explore your local gas stations. You might just find the best sandwich of your life. For me, it's the Toasted Walnut Creek, named after a nearby park, It's pepper jack cheese on chicken with chipotle mayo. If you ever drive through Charlottesville, I highly recommend it. Oh, and you can also get gas there too, obviously. And really, that's the last step here. We can never cover all of the great gas station food across America, or highlight all the places doing great gas station food, or fully extol all the virtues of eating at a gas station. But we do like to think we've given you a taste, and we challenge you to go out and find the best gas station food on your next road trip or in your own city. Take a picture, put it on Instagram, tag Thrillist, we might even share it. And finally, we will leave you with this, a cherry on top of our episode, something a little sweet to remember us by. I'm Caroline Schiff. I am the pastry chef at Gage and Tolner, uh, downtown Brooklyn. And I'm also the head chef at Slow Up. And I just wrote a cookbook that just came out called The Sweet Side of Sourdough. And it's all the sweet things you can make with your sourdough starter. When it comes to gas station snacks and like, if I'm traveling road trip and I just like, I want all those very like craveable things. For me, That's always gonna be chocolate, nuts, crunchy stuff, and then like the very salty savory. So in a dream world, it's Twix bar, (laughs) peanut M&Ms, Reese's Pieces, Snickers bar. There's a simplicity to a Twix, and I like that, that it's very clearly defined. You have the cookie, like the short bready kind of cookie, going on, you have the layer of caramel, and then it's covered in chocolate. 
It's sweet, it's salty, it's chewy, it's crunchy. I can see the layers. It's just like a perfect, I don't think I could improve on a candy bar. I don't think it's possible. And then on the salty side, I personally am just, first of all, like, obviously I love potato chips, most people do. But I am so fascinated and inspired by potato chip flavors. Like if you really get into it and start looking at potato chip flavors, like country to country and just like even regionally in the United States, there are so many specific potato chip flavors and I just think it's like such an interesting study in what people find really craveable and satisfying. At Gage and Tolner, I have a, we have a sundae on the menu. You know, you have the cold creamy ice cream, you have a sauce, you have some crunchy elements. I wanted to make like a candied pecan that had, you know, some spices in it and whatever. And I'm playing with the, the recipe a little bit and making it and I'm showing some of the team like, all right, so we're gonna do these candied pecans, whatever. And one of the pastry team members, uh, Grayson, who's, um, he's from the South and he went to school in Texas. And I'm like making them and he's like, oh, you mean gas station nuts? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, Bucky's gas station nuts. Like you've never had them? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was telling me like that they make these like candied nuts and he calls them gas station nuts. And I'm like, that is awesome and I love it so we call them gas station nuts. I can't wait to go. I just want to book a trip to Texas to go to Bucky's and like get all of the nuts and stuff. This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. Special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. Put your tray tables up, leave your shoes on, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.